episode 13 of the Easier Said Than Don podcast. My name is Brandon Donahue. Join with me, Dave Toscano and Bob For- Horgan. Fellas, how we doing? Fellas, welcome back. Yeah, feels good to be back. Yeah, it's back been... Uh, just chopping it up. Been like three weeks now. Uh, boys are home from school. Starting to get into the summer work. Got some internships rolling. So, uh, summer's been good so far? Yep, not bad, not bad. I started work the first day I got home, so I've done absolutely nothing. Yeah, I started. But I started the Monday we got back, and uh, so a lot of my a lot of my break so far has been spent in in my house doing you because know, my internships remote. So um, you know, can't can't complain. Got to make some cash. That, that first day of work was a uh, a rude awakening. Forgot oh, yeah. what it was like to uh you know work. And like waking up at seven seven thirty now, I'm like, okay, I'm good to like wake up at nine thirty and not have to be productive for an hour. That's fun. Seven thirty. Yeah, I mean, like, it's flexible about what time I can start, but usually I'm waking up at seven thirty and like starting eight fifteen eight thirty. Uh, how was the Sox game last night? Yeah, the Sox got blown out. <laughs> it was like the second inning. It was, I think. Seven one already. Yeah, it was bad. Springer, no, it wasn't Springer. He doesn't even play for them anymore. Correa hit a home run. It was like questionable. We were watching the the replay. We couldn't even tell if it went over the monster. Over we, under a uh, hundred dollars spent on drinks in the park. Um, under. By a lot or by not that much? What are beers like? Twelve. Like bucks? individually. Yeah. No, under. It was like ten bucks for a Bud Light. All right. I thought there were more than that. I thought there were like 12. They were 13 at the Philadelphia Union game. <laughs> Do they give you like the bottle or do they give you like a draft cup? No, it's like a tall boy can. Yeah, with the, yeah, with they're the doing, cap off. Yeah. Or they can't do uh, draft beer. Yeah. Well, Foxborough can't. Gillette, you're not allowed to have a cap because they're afraid you're going to throw it on the field. Yeah, Which, should you know, be, they should have used that trick in Denver. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, all right, let's get right into it. So, game six of the Bruins-Islanders series starts tonight, or continues tonight, I should say. Bruins are in New York after outshooting the Islanders by over 25 shots. Still lose 5-4 last game. Tuka's definitely banged up. He's hurt. Something's not right there. Varlamov had, quite himself a game, had himself quite a game. Uh, last game, so eh, are we in panic mode? Um, I don't know. I don't know is the answer. It's gonna. It's all. I mean, if you watched the game two nights ago, the Bruins only let up. I think it was 19 shots by the end of the game, but I four, five, six of them are within two feet of the net, without a defender even close to them. The the injuries to Brandon Carlo and Kevin Miller have definitely hurt. So we're going to see what we get tonight. Yeah, I mean, I won't lie, not the, uh, the biggest Bruins fan. Uh, I, like, I think I'm with the majority when, you know, it's the playoffs. So I'm in every game. Um, but my kind of big takeaways are we have four good players, and they have been playing really good. And then the rest of our team's really done nothing and kind of 
keeping, you know, I think the Islanders are a team where you've learned, like, they aren't the most skilled team, but they're just always hanging around. And as a fan, like, that's the type of team that pisses you off the most because I would still say, like, even though, again, we have our perfection line, then we have Charlie McAvoy, and, like, Tuca, obviously, when he's on, is one of the better goalies in the league. Um, like, I would still say those are probably four of the, you know, four or five of the best players in the series, and I feel like we should beat these guys easily. But they just – they hang around, um, and, you know, it's been pretty annoying uh, to watch. I just feel like we've outplayed them for most of the series, and we're still down 3-2. Uh, I won't lie, I, I am in panic mode. I don't think our defense – is good enough to kind of stop these guys. And we haven't got any production other than our three top goal scorers. So we're in panic mode. The button is being pressed. Ah, I don't know about that. I think, I think it just comes down to taking advantage of your opportunities. Cause if you look at the game the other night, could have been up three, nothing in the first period, really. Um, Got to say, Pasternak's been a beast. Can't like, obviously. He's been absolutely – you feel like he's scoring the first goal in every game. And it, it seems like the – I don't know if it's – it seems like the Bruins have scored the first goal in every game this series. Am I wrong? Except for game one, I believe. Game one? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in panic mode yet, but if we're going into the third tonight in Long Island, down, might get a little – might get a little scary. Yeah. Um, Jake DeBrusque being put back in the lineup tonight because Curtis Lazar's out. He was good in the first series. I've been defending him. He was a healthy scratch last game. See if he does anything for you. The guy I'm looking for is Taylor Hall. You know, yep. he was great for you in the regular season. His production has kind of fallen off compared to what he was doing in the regular season. You need him to step up, give you that scoring boost out of, out of the second line, kind of take the weight off of that first line. Because realistically, you can't depend on Pasta to, to – produce two goals and an assist every single game where you can't uh, rely on, you know, Bergeron or, or whoever may be, you know, the hot guy, the hot hand that night. So the defense is, is going to be what wins or loses the game for the Bruins tonight, as far as I'm concerned. Definitely lost to the game last time. Is Whenever you score four goals in a hockey game, you should be able to win that game. So, or at least go to overtime uh, at the, at the bare minimum. So we'll see what that does tonight. And I, I, Hockey is so unpredictable that like home or home ice advantage matters from like a, a strategical standpoint because you get the last change, but from a an environment standpoint, you know it kind of seems like hockey players are pretty good at tuning out crowds no matter how loud it is. So we'll see what goes there. Um, anything else? Islanders better hope they win tonight. On their home ice. I know you just said the thing about home home ice doesn't really make that much of a difference, but game seven in Boston at the Garden. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's a that's yeah. a hammer on yeah. the bees if that's if that's going down. I'll raise a quick question because I know it's kind of been yeah. the talk of I guess like Bruin slash New England sports. I guess today, would you start Tuca tonight? Yes, but on a short leash. What's what? What is a short leash? Two goals. Two goals in two periods, or is it, you know, if he gives up a two goal goals, in five minutes? Two goals in one period, three goals in two, depending on, like, how how much he's getting peppered. Like, if he's letting up two goals and five shots in the first period, he's out, in my opinion. 
if he lets up like two goals and 13, 14 shots in the first period, you let that ride, I think. Like the ratio's got to be like he's saving, like his save percentage has got to be like above 90%, maybe a little bit below that. But I don't know. I mean, Tuka's, Tuka's probably been the – the victim of maybe some of the the least fair criticism in Boston. Some of it is fair, some of it's not fair. But his mental like psyche has always been kind of questioned. He's a weird dude. Yeah, he is. But like he's got a he's got a chance tonight to like kind of put that thing to bed. I mean, not to bed, but like to fight back on it. So yeah, we'll see. I throw uh, a yeah. Oh, sorry, I was gonna throw no, a quick little a quick little hockey rant out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm notably a basketball guy, and this isn't really like a basketball versus hockey argument. But hockey players love talking about like how tough they are and like oh like they played through it. they play when they're hurt and stuff. If you're hurt, as as my high school football coach always said, you can play if you're hurt. If you're injured, you can't play. And I don't want to hear like I'm hearing all this Tuca, oh he's hurt, he's hurt, he's hurt, like that's what's affecting him. Don't if you're hurt and you, it's gonna affect your performance, don't play. But, like, if you're playing, I, I don't care if you're hurt. Like, you're on adrenaline. Like, get a, get a what is it, Corazone or something like that? Cor- yeah. Like a Corazone shot. Get one of those shots and fucking suck it up. Like, it's your job, dude. You're getting paid millions of dollars to play hockey. Like, I don't know. I don't need to hear in the media. Like, I, I remember last year, it was like, oh, Bergeron played with, like, a, a broken rib or something like that. In a punctured lung. A punctured lung, yeah. I don't care. You played. Like, you could play. Dudes play all the time hurt. Like, if you're injured and you play, I give you credit. If you got, like, some, like, tic-tac injury, and uh, tic-tac, like, hurt, and you're, oh, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, don't play then. If you're playing, you're good. Tuca, Tuca had an injury going into the playoffs, but he seems to he seemed to have been all right. But the thing with Tuca is that he's in, like, a no-win scenario here. Because if Tuca doesn't play here because he's injured and he doesn't think that his performance is going to do well, like he's putting his the better, he's doing the better thing for the team here, but then everyone's going to criticize how soft he is. And then if he does play and he's injured and he doesn't play well, then it's, well, like if you weren't, if you were that hurt, then you shouldn't have played or you're mentally, you're mentally soft or something like that. So I kind of do feel for him just because especially him, like if it's anybody else, it doesn't really matter. It also comes back to that whole thing where, you know, the goalies are just under a microscope because, you know, you're the last line of defense. So, yeah, I mean, he he's just – he's probably going to go down as having, like, the weirdest relationship with Boston media just because he doesn't interact with them really at all and he just gets absolutely thrown into the fire repeatedly. Like, if – Someone outspoken had this type of relation or was criticized the way that he is, they'd be gone. Like they would force themselves out. So, um, all right, let's move on to the other team in Boston or the other team in Boston that made the playoffs barely. Um, the Celtics, a lot of shake up here. So we got Danny Ainge stepping down as president of basketball operations, Brad Stevens, leaving the head coaching duty to go assume Ainge's old position. And now we have reports out there today saying that Kemba Walker and the Celtics plan on moving on from each other this offseason. 
where you want to start, Bob? Uh, let's start with the head coach search because I think that is very important for the next – for the basically the future of our franchise. I'd agree. Because if we go wrong here and we hire somebody who isn't well-liked by the players – or, you know, doesn't really get our, our superstars approvals. The next, you know, in three years, we might have a, a top dog out. Like, if we get a guy who, who our guys like, we could have, you know, we could have our, our superstar for the next 15 years. If not, the tide could kind of turn quickly. And I think worst case scenario here is that you hire somebody that, A, Jalen and Jason don't approve of or don't agree with, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think worst case scenario is you pick a guy that keeps the Celtics where they are. And then we're three, four years down the road here. And we're going to turn in, we're going to run into a, what Portland is turning into right now with Damian Lillard, where, okay, the guy's 28, 29, he's putting up absolutely giant numbers, but we're in the same spot and we've been in the same spot. So now do we either, keep this and keep going and hope we get lucky one year or we trade him, we rebuild, and then we start over. So I don't know if there's like a screaming at you dead in the face. I like the best candidate available. Um, I think a lot of people like the the idea of Chauncey Billups. I do too. I am in um, Sam Cassell. I would be opposed to like, those are two guys that have been in Boston. They know, what Boston's all about. I think the worst thing that you could do is bring in a guy who can't handle Boston because whoever's being hired is being ushered into a very high pressure role here. Like Brad, for the most part, did what was expected, which was turn a bad team into a good team and take them to four conference finals. Doc won a title. If, I think that the expectations of the coach that's coming in is going to have is going to be much higher than they were with Stevens. NBA championship. Yeah, I mean you have two top twenty-five, one top twenty, two All Stars players on your team. Like it's, you could argue it's one of the more attractive jobs in the NBA within the last five to ten years that's become available. Yeah, why would you? I mean, I definitely agree with that. Why would you not want to coach? You know, Jason Tatum. You see what he's done. Um, I think that you, you gotta. You were kind of talking about like Chauncey Bill and Sam Cassell. In my mind, there's two types of ways you can go. You go one, you go the NBA player who's been there and who's kind of been around the league. I know Cassell was in the running for the Clippers job. Ty Lue got it over him, but he's an assistant. I think he's still in LA. He's an assistant out there. Um, you know, give him a chance. Again, a guy who was in Boston. I don't think he was on the title team, but he was on one of those like later teams with the big three. Um, Chauncey, I think, is a guy who's respected across the league. Um, he's won titles. Um, you know, he's been kind of a solid player. Or, yeah, the Pistons won a title, right? What was that? Did Chauncey win a title? Uh, I believe so. I think the Pistons won in, like, that weird, like, 03, 06 area. Um, and then – or you go get a guy who, you know, has won consistently at the NBA level. Like, I've seen, like, Jason Kidd. I wouldn't go get a guy that hasn't been great um, – or, like, get a guy who's very, like, not controversial, but get a guy who has not 
succeeded. I don't like the college to NBA jump again, like with the Brad Stevens. I think you got to go get a guy who's done it or, you know, has, is, you know, respected amongst the league. Yeah. You don't want a Jay Wright. Um, yeah. So yeah. Chauncey won a title in 04. He was the finals MVP actually. Um, yeah, and he, he was in Boston too early. I think we traded him. Yeah. He was drafted Maybe. by the, the Celtics. I think he was like three overall or something like that. Did uh, we trade him for? Yeah, we did. Paul um, Pierce. He was drafted third overall in the 97 draft. No, he was traded half a season in. He was traded for Kenny Anderson, Zon Tobik, and Popeye Jones. Three guys I've never heard of before. Oh, Rick Patino made that trade too, sir. Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. What are you expecting Brad, the GM, to be like? Do you expect him to be more aggressive? Do you expect him to yeah. be more? Yeah, like, I, I, I think we're going to see kind of a different. I think, I, I know, I, I read all the right? Yeah, I read all the reports, and it kind of it looks like it's kind of like Brad and Danny kind of had two different directions, and Brad didn't always get full say on the guys we brought in. I kind of, I saw someone talk about it in there, like Brad knows. I mean, look, you can chirp the Celtics all you want. The team wasn't good enough, regardless. They weren't good enough. Um, it, it was just more disappointing than anything. But, like, those role players were not great. I know, like, towards the end of the bench, it was horrific. And I think Brad kind of knows who he wants and kind of, like, the guys that will make the team go. And I have a feeling he's going to do a good job of getting them. Um, and, again, I don't – I saw a lot of, like, he lost the locker room. I kind of have a feeling, like, that's a little BS – I think those guys respect him. I mean, man, he's been – Celtics have been good in his tenure. I mean, they were good. Like, they're always a perennial power. Just kind of ended on a bad – ended on a bad, bad year. And there's guys we got to get out. So, I think Brad will do the, what we need. Um, it might take a couple of years, you know, shutting cap. But, again, it's surrounding your two young superstars with guys who can win or it's – getting another superstar for one of your superstars that's better, a.k.a. Damian Lillard. Yeah, what I want to see out of Brad, the GM, is so I guess what my biggest problem with Danny, the GM, was towards the end, and, you know, you can't, you can't disfault, you can't, or you can't discredit what Danny did. You can't fault Danny for what he didn't do. And I know that a lot of people used to get frustrated because the Celtics name was Celtics, name would be around three to four guys what it seemed like every single off season or trade deadline and they had never pulled the trigger for one reason or another and I did started to get annoyed with his lack of aggression to go get what they needed and I think what happened was that he was so aggressive towards the beginning of him of his tenure here like him going to get Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett and then him trading away Garnett, Pierce, and Allen in the same trade. And then that Garnett, Allen, Pierce trade turned into such a steal that he was like, okay, where do I get the next bargain? And then the next bargain turned into Isaiah Thomas, and that was such a bargain. And the next bargain turned into trading one for three and another first, and that was another bargain. And then it was to the point where he would only make trades that seemed to be lopsided in favor of the Celtics, which – Yes, in theory, that's a good strategy, but it, at a certain point, you have to go and get the guy that you need 
that's going to help you. And it might be an even trade. You might have to give up a guy that you would prefer not to, but it's going to help you in the long run. And I always think about, I think it was the 2018 season where they could have gotten Tyreek Evans if they would have thrown in their first round pick, which ended up being 29 overall. And it was like, you know what? Like you got to just pull the trigger sometimes. And so, I, I mean, I don't know what to expect there. Um, and then I guess what it comes back to is, is Kemba and Kemba leaving could go one or three ways. First one is we trade him and package him with a, for a for, with like a first just to get his salary off the books to a team that doesn't really want him. That'll just pay us the rest of his uh, salary. Number two is we package him with a couple of young pieces and we go and get uh, Damian Lillard. We go and get uh, Steven Adams. We go and get uh, whoever's available this offseason. And then number three is you buy him out. And I think that one's probably the least likely. Um, I, I still seem – I'm still a little skeptical that he's going to get – he's going to leave, to be completely honest with you. It just seems like such a a difficult task for one way or the other that I'm not entirely sold that he's gone just yet. Do I think the Celtics are better off pursuing other opportunities without Kemba? Yes. But I that's, it remains to be seen whether it's feasible or not. Yeah. Um, Wait, real yeah. quick, just because just I was looking it up. <clears throat> I'm looking at the Kyrie Irving trade Danny made, yeah. and holy shit, that was a, also a steal. Obviously, things didn't turn out good, but... Um, Rare uh, lose-lose in yeah. involving two MVPs. Yes. even though you got Kyrie Irving, you still lost that trade. Um, yeah, I think that... Uh, man, on the Kemba front, I, I like the guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all. I, that's my comments. Yeah, he. Yeah, we are worse with him on the court. Yeah, we are worse he's with him on the not, court. He's just not the same guy that they signed. Yeah, and the, the contract's hard to move. Um, but like, I think there are teams that would take that on for with a couple extra picks. I know the the Lillard deal is probably very unlikely, but. See, I think it's more likely than you think. If they if they, if they decide to move him, uh, they I, the thing is, you'd probably have to, you know, it would probably be like Kemba, Marcus Smart, and you know, maybe even Jalen Brown has to go, and then a lot of a lot of picks. I think I think realistically, if you give away Kemba, Smart, Langford, and three firsts, that would be enough. I, I don't know. I saw. I don't know if you saw uh, Greeny tweeted something the other day, and it was like a response to some guy's tweet, and it was like a mega deal, and it was one of the yeah, most. I saw that. It no, no, but it was one of the most fair trades I've ever seen. What was it? Was that the one where Portland ended up getting like like twelve? Overall? It was like it was like seven picks, and it was. Uh, let me yeah, see if I can find. Yeah, it was with the Mavs too. The Mavs, the Lakers. Yeah, so Kuzma I went to Dallas. Yeah, I've looked at it probably like ten times, and I, I don't see if you looked at it what team would say no. It was the Lakers getting CJ McCollum, the Blazers getting Pritchard, Kemba, KCP, and Kristaps with eight first round picks, the Celtics getting Damian Lillard, and then the Mavericks getting Kuzma, Smart, and Nurkic. I honestly it. I think it's it helps. The, I think it's the Mavs giving up uh, 
giving up like three firsts in that scenario to, to get Kuzma, Smart, and Nurkic, I don't know if that's worth it. But it also gets Kristaps off their books, which I I do not think – he sucks, by the way. I'm so out on Kristaps person. I guess he's a loser. But Yeah. Yeah, he sucks. Keep him as far if, – if it's like a – I saw like a him for Kemba swap to like just get both guys in new places – Please keep Kristaps Porzingis the fuck away from Boston. No, Please. I don't think so. Please. You, you need like a third and a big three. I don't even think he's he could be in a, like a, a fourth and a big four at this point. Like he's he he's sucks. Faded, he's faded from relevance real fast. Sucks. Yeah. So I mean, sucks. Who do you think's gonna win? Who do you think's gonna win the finals? Brooklyn. Yeah, I think they can. I I think this is gonna. Uh, man, I like. I get Philly. Philly's gonna be tough. There's just. Hawks so... might win that series. All right. Um. So moving on to Sunday, man. I mean, like that. That was maybe. I I say that's in game of the year contention. Yeah. Um, you know you have. So let me let me set this set the stage here. The U.S. and Mexico are the biggest rivals in CONCACAF. It's probably a top five rivalry in world international soccer, to be completely honest. Um, the U.S. hadn't beat Mexico in a final since 2007. They had played five times, four times before that. Um, do you want to just kind of like run down the game just because like it's, it's probably the easiest way to do it? Yeah, I mean, this game was crazy. It was one of those games where, like, even if you're not a soccer person, you would enjoy the game. Even if you, like, hated soccer, you thought it was so boring, this game would be, like, the one to watch. There were so many things going on, so many different storylines. It was just – it was awesome. All right, so let's start. So 62 seconds into the game, Mark McKenzie, not the best pass in the world's actually it's a terrible pass. Tecastito steals it from one touch, put roofs it right over Stefan. Uh, at that point I'm thinking, okay, here we go again. Um, I'm thinking game over. Might as well turn the TV off. Yep. And then the next 20 minutes, there was like one or two nice little spells from the U S but almost predominantly dominated by Mexico. Um, they scored a second time. It was ruled offsides from VAR. Um, once it was two, no- like if it was going to go to two, nothing, I, I think I sent it in the group chat. I was like, okay, I'm ready to fire Greg Berhalter. And then yeah. <laughs> it, it got turned around and I was like, okay, okay, fine. Whatever. Um, 27th minute, Weston McKinney header off the post. Gio Reyna is in the right spot at the right time. Puts it home. One, one. Got some life here. And then Burhalter was so persistent on playing out of the back. And that was, was so annoying. Working. It, it was, was so annoying. frustrating to watch. Like Stefan didn't look too like calm with the ball, which he usually does at City. Ream is not good. Um Ream sucks. I mean Brooks was Brooks was the best guy with the ball at his feet out of the back line and the goalkeeper Ream, which isn't was just to be expected, but we went into the halftime there, and I was like, I can't believe this is – I can't believe we're in this game. McKenzie gave the ball away again, got megged. He yeah. was giving away the ball way too much. 
Reem is just slow. Yeah. And they completely exposed him, especially later on in the game. You'll touch Reem is probably the only time I would ever say that he's a decent fit in a in a game is when you are quite easily in the driver's seat and it's all about like keeping possession and they're throwing everybody behind the ball. And Mexico is not there at that. They're gonna dominate the possession. They're gonna come at you and they're gonna come at you fast. It's just like Lozano going up against him was never gonna work from to begin with. And then well Lozano was starting again kind of centrally to begin with and then he kind of started to shift out wide. And then when they brought on Linas, we'll talk about that afterwards. So then we get 60-ish minutes in. They take off Serginho Dest, which is the, arguably the U.S.'s second, third best player. Um, I was furious. Even though Dest had a terrible game, I was like, you know, he, even though he had, didn't have that great of a game, it's like, why wouldn't you just sub off Tim Ream? And then you can sl- switch to a four in the back. You can push, um, you can push uh, Dest into a, just a natural left-back position. Can put Yedlin at right back and just play at a flat four. Took him off, brought on Wea. Wea ended up having a hell of a performance. Um, like he might be your super sub this World Cup cycle. Yeah, I like that. The one thing I'll say about Des is it's speculation, obviously, but it, it almost seems like he thinks he's too good for Concacaf. His body, I, his body language is just not great. I agree with that. I agree with that. It's like once. Like, even against Mexico, like, that was an intense final. And, I, I mean, I guess he wasn't on the field for, like, once the game really started to take off. But – and I don't know how he would have reacted, but he, like, doesn't seem, like, as, like, battle-ready as, like, the rest of the guys do, if that makes sense. I mean, Mexico's ranked 11 in the world. It's not like we're yeah. playing some shitty team, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, that top three is – I mean – if if you put if you took Atunia out and put in Linez or if you put in Raul Jimenez, like they're probably a top ten, top seven, top three in the world, uh, or attacking three in the world. So I mean, it's it's definitely it's not no there are no scrubs to, at all. All right, so then 68th minute, Zach Steffen goes down. U.S. is starting goalkeeper. It's kind of a weird thing. He looked like he was just picking up the ball and all of a sudden like his knee hurt. Um, it didn't look like he, like he didn't hyperextend it at all. He didn't land on it funny. It was just kind of odd. He can't continue. Ethan Horvath, the backup, who's only played six games for the U.S. ever, comes in. And he starts to get, like, tested immediately. I think he made one save. And then Linez, Diego Linez, which is the U.S.'s – I mean, the, the – or Mexico's second best attacking player, maybe third best attacking player. Um, like kind of, I would say Lozano is our like is their Pulisic, but he's very highly regarded as well. Um, came on is very shifty and just attacked our slowest defender and slowest guy on the team and just tore him to shreds. Scored immediately. Um, so when that happens, that's the 82nd minute or sorry, 79th minute. Dave, what are your thoughts then? We go down two one. Game over again. I was, I literally texted in the group chat. I was like, well, uh, good game. That was entertaining. And then we go down the field, corner kick again. Pulisic puts it on the spot, and McKenney, like he's been doing all game, 
He's been winning every single set piece. He uh, goes up and he heads it in. Ochoa almost got it, but uh, didn't get it. And um, we're going to overtime. And the the three – like, and him attacking Burhalter, I was like, okay, well, it's very evident how much they like Burhalter now. Like, for a fan base that hates the coach that much, um, it's tough, tough. Um, you just got to, like – Stop trying to be cute. Just put the best 11 players in the field. Yeah. Yeah. No, honestly. Um, real quick, the starting 11 just came out tonight. And guess who's playing, obviously? Jackson Ewell? Nope. Tim Ream. Ream. Whatever. Um, I hope he enjoys it. It's probably his last game ever. Probably. Probably. So, we go into overtime. Um, first overtime – or first – Period of stoppage time goes and passes. Um, not much. Horvath makes a couple of decent saves. And then Pulisic goes down in the box. We go to VAR. The Mexican coach, Tata Martino, puts his arms around the ref, like putting his arm around his shoulder, like, what's up, man? While he's looking at the VAR, can't do that. Red card to the coach. He's got to go. Meanwhile, Pulisic takes the best penalty I think – best finish I think I've ever seen him have of any type of goal. Uh, puts it top right. Ochoa was never getting there. Goes into the corner, shushes the Mexican fans, takes his shirt off. Shirt off the scenes. And then the they scenes. get showered with beers and all sorts of shit. Weston McKinney was on uh, Colin Coward's show today and said that they were getting, like, chicken wing bones thrown at them. So, that, that'll that tell you all you need to know about uh, CONCACAF. Shout out to the referee also for giving the most enthusiastic penalty call ever. That was crazy. I laughed so hard when I saw that. And then three minutes after that, we got a streaker. Had to have one. Had to. And then we go to the other side in the 120th minute, so the last possible minute. Mexico has a header, goes down, hits – uh, Mark McKenzie in the hand. The hand's by his side. Like, the rule is if your hand's in a natural position, it's not a handball. Hand was in a natural position for me. Shouldn't have been a, a PK. They called it anyway. And then Big Dick Horvath makes a hell of a save. Boys are going nuts. Then we go down to the other side to go and try and, like, finish off the game. We got another fight. Andres Gordado's throwing punches at Weston McKinney. We got piss bottles getting thrown. We got full Cokes getting thrown. It was like the game couldn't end fast enough. They nailed their own player on the head. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like for me, that, that's a huge win for the U.S. Like me and you have like continuously been talking about how this group is like different and how this group can really make some noise. And none of that is going to be taken seriously without a statement win. And they've been beaten up on some like, worse teams like you know these teams are like ranked like 40 and lower they tied wales who's like a decent team but we should, probably should be beating them this was intense they battled back from being behind twice Polisic didn't have the greatest of a start finished really well geo ray and i thought was the best player on the field and the other thing i forgot to mention first time that tyler adams Polisic. Tim Weah, 
and McKenney are all on this on the field together. So like these guys have been in the picture now for like two and a half years. First time they've ever played together on the full team. So I think it's a big deal and huge going into World Cup qualifying. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's not really so much about the trophy. It's nice to like win something, but like it's this is the first time really we've had everyone together. This this group with these high expectations. The first time they've all been together in a competitive environment where they're actually playing meaningful games and they won against a very good Mexico team that's pretty highly ranked in the world. Like it's it's showing that we can we can compete at a high level and hopefully it'll translate to World Cup qualifying. I also want to mention I don't know what kind of Colorado accent Ethan Horvath has. Oh my like, god. It's, it's the craziest accent ever. I don't know if you saw the burner account tweet. Like he is just a weirdo, like in the best possible way. Guy doesn't drink, he asks for a Pepsi Max after the game. He literally talks like he's like he talks like with gaps in between syllables. Um so that and he just like doesn't show any emotion whatsoever. Like I think he small smiled a couple of times. He cried after the game. Um which like, you know, he's for like brief backstory. So highly regarded keeper played in Norway, transferred over to Belgium, was the starter there for two years. They brought in Liverpool's old starter and he was stuck in a contract. So he was on the bench for the last two years now. Um, and hasn't really gotten much playing time. Hasn't gotten much playing time for the U S been stuck behind Zach Steffen finally gets his opportunity, saves a penalty in the last minute of the game. So, Props to him. Uh, we'll move on real quick before we do that. Top three people between the Honduras game and the Mexico game who, like, improved their standing in your eyes, Dave. Um, I wouldn't say – I mean, Reyna was just a beast. He was probably the best player in my eyes uh, for us. Horvath definitely rose his stock, even though I think Matt Turner's going to play the Gold Cup. <laughs> and he's – I think Matt Turner's better. Anyways, someone else, I hate to say it, but Kellen Acosta played pretty well in the Mexico game. Yeah, no, I think Kellen Acosta played really well. And, like, we kind of needed to find a guy who can maybe fill in the Tyler Adams role once Tyler Adams, yeah. like, because he has a tendency to get hurt. For me, it's Acosta. Um, DeAndre Yedlin hadn't played for the – national team in two and a half years yeah first game back starts against mexico and puts in i thought he put in a well a really well good shift people on twitter didn't agree with me as much but i thought he played very well um and for me reina too like reina was the best player in both games for my money yeah i um, i think i think yedlin should be involved going forward like, yeah i think on the world cup roster too yeah yedlin should probably take the like veteran role that tim ream has been the last yeah. couple of years just quick note, Sargent didn't do anything for himself. I think even though Sibachu scored, he didn't really do much other than the goal. Tim yeah, Wayne did okay. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Daryl DK play. I think he he could be your starting. Forward. I think he should be the, the starting number nine. We'll see yeah. though. Yeah, well, I mean, crazy a guy like he he was playing high school soccer in Oklahoma three years ago, and now we're saying he should be the starting. Strike for the national team. Um, all right. We'll move on. Last topic. Um, and then we'll get out of here. Some football. Julio Jones gets traded to Tennessee. I believe it was, what, a second and a fourth for Julio and a sixth? 
Was that the final trade? Um, the second and a fourth for Julio and a sixth. Yes. Yep. Um, so, I mean, there was rumors that the Patriots were involved. I was kind of in the minority. I didn't think it made sense for the Patriots for what you were going to have to give up. The salary cap wasn't going to line up. It just, the, the, their, their timelines don't match. Um, and especially if Cam's going to be your starter, I don't know what Julio provides that makes Cam better, if that makes sense. Like his skill set doesn't match what Cam needed. Yeah, no, I, 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 again, I would have loved to have Julio Jones on the Patriots. Um, would have sold jerseys and would have filled that number 11 uh, pretty nicely. But I just, it, again, if, if this was two years ago, maybe when Julio was still like, I, Julio, I'm not saying he's past his prime, but he's not Julio, but he still can show glimpses of Julio. Um, I mean, Tom Brady, I think, would have ate this up if he could have, if we had the chance. But again, when his contract two years ago, he was still the best receiver in the game. Um, not even on like a Patriots side, I guess, just on like a, a Tennessee Titans side. It does make them pretty scary. Their defense I think still. They're the second best team in the AFC. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that I think they're better than I think they're better than the Browns. I think they're better than the Steelers, and I think the only one that's close is the Bills. I think Cleveland's better than them still. Um, I just Tennessee's got no Tennessee has zero zero defense. If their pass defense can hold up, they're cool. Uh, their pass rush improved. They just they signed Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree. Like they, if they can improve, and I think to, who do they draft with their first round pick? They took Caleb Farley, who I like, but I don't know if he's going to be healthy. So, I mean, I, I, I'm bullish on him. I think Ryan Tannehill is a more than serviceable quarterback. We talked about it a couple – probably a couple months ago. I think he's like a top 40%, a top 30% uh, NFL QB, in, in my opinion. Um, I, I like – I mean, it made the most sense. Like, he made – or Tennessee made the most sense as a landing spot out of anybody in the league, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, if you're Tennessee, I mean, kind of looking at that team, like looking at that roster, there, there's a window. Every every team has a championship window, and not saying Tennessee's is f- slowly closing, but like they had their second receiver was Josh Reynolds. I mean, not that. I don't even think the the casual NFL fans probably like, who the hell is Josh Reynolds. That's my point. Corey Davis gone. I think Julio. I, I thought AJ Brown had a chance to be like. I'm thinking more fantasy wise, but just overall, like overall, he has a chance to become like a top three receiver. And I was thinking fantasy wise, you might see him have like a fucking giant year. Obviously, Julio will take some of that away from him, but Tennessee's scary. I. Him and Julio, I think are like they were. I I think they were talking about a part of my take, and they were just like Mike Vrabel's just getting absolute freaks. Like those yeah. two guys are are freaks. I mean, between so, like you just said, AJ Brown and Julio on the outside, Derrick Henry behind the quarterback, Tannehill behind center, Anthony Ferkser is a sneaky good tight end. I know they lost Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith is a lot better. Ferkser is more than capable. 
it's going to come down to – actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, it might come down to the run defense more than their pass defense. They drafted three corners in the draft this year. They signed Bud Dupree to a big deal. They're going to be good. I'm, I'm bullish on them. I think they're going to be uh, – I think they'll, they'll probably end up in the AFC championship for my money. Yeah, didn't they make it uh, – I Tennessee a few years ago. pretty good run or defense. No, I'm thinking about our their defense sucked, but I'm trying to think. I know they have like in the middle you got Jeffrey Simmons who's good. Um was it Rashawn Evans is the the Alabama guy they got in the middle? Or is it Rashawn Evans? Reggie Rashawn Evans. They were twenty fourth against the run last year. All right, so they weren't that good. Is it Rashawn Evans though? He's pretty good. And yeah, Rashawn happened. Evans. He's like a very good middle backer. Uh yeah, I just think it's it's going to be – that offense is scary. Like, being an NFL fan, I think that's going to be cool to see. Tannehill might go bonkers with those two. I mean, he went – Tannehill had a great year with fucking Corey Davis and yep. A.J. Brown. Yep. And A.J. Brown, what, what was it? He had like a – A.J. Brown had like a torn ligament or something and his like yeah. foot or something yeah. that he played all year with and was still top. He was, he was like a top 10 receiver in the league last year. Yeah, he's he's a freak. Yeah, another guy that the Pats could have had. We won't talk about that, though. Yeah, we won't. We won't. We won't. So, all right. Uh, I think that wraps it up for this week. Uh, we'll probably meet back. We're going to try and do over the summer just because it's tough to tough to keep up with everybody's moving schedules. People are working. People got vacations so and so on. Um, we're going to try and do it, like, every other week. Um, I'll try and put out some blogs. Um, but other than that, there's no gambling this week. Tough because no, we're throwing out a lock of the weekend. Oh yeah, we're gonna all agree on one pick this weekend. Okay. Lock of the weekend, and we'll throw it on the Instagram. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I like that. I like that. All right, till next time, boys. We'll catch you later. Peace. Yeah.